Good morning, Iowa. I'm Nick Lerhoff and Scott Casper, and this is St. Gregory's Talk Therapy, the mental health show. Join us as we talk about a topic that many Iowans face every day, mental illness. We feature the expertise of doctors, therapists, and specialists who understand the challenges we are all facing. Our show airs two times, 4 to 5 a.m. and 10 to 11 a.m. Saturday mornings on Iowa's Hope 940 and online at talktherapytmhs.com. Join in for the conversation on this important life topic. As we like to say, Iowa, we're listening. We are indeed, Nick. Good to have you back from Maine. And we are in the Five Talents Financial Management Group studios. Scott Casper, Nick Learoff, St. Gregory's Talk Therapy, The Mental Health Show. We've got a topic that we are going to revisit today, and that is um, autism in general, okay? And we've got an exciting guest, somebody we consider to be a warrior for all things good, uh, especially those who suffer from mental health issues. He's a criminal defense attorney, a father, a husband, and a very good friend to our buddy, Coach Cimarroni, the host and founder of Blood Time, the podcast. And without that, and without reservation, we welcome him to the program for his very first visit. You ready? Michael Goldberg. Michael, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. I'm doing well. Can we turn him up just a little bit, Kara? Thank you. Um, thank you. Thank my, you for the kind introduction. Oh, please. My, Michael, you must, um, first of all, describe autism as you know it, uh, what it is, and um, and perhaps we'll get into you know the range of conditions characterized by the challenges uh, that these individuals face. Sure. So there's really no one autism. It's really considered autism. It's caused by multiple factors, environmental, as well as inherited uh, genetic factors. And it presents differently in, in uh, uh, people, children, and adults. Uh, and no, no two are exactly the same. So the autism that I'm an expert in is my son, Noah, who at about was not hitting milestones uh, it, it, around his first birthday and into his second year. Uh, developmental milestone. So we had him checked out for hearing. He wasn't reacting to his name, wasn't interested in toys, not interested in, uh, in people, basically, except for my wife and myself, maybe his brother. Uh, so we had him checked out, and uh, the diagnosis was called pervasive developmental disorder, not otherwise specified, which back in, this was probably 99, was a lot of nothing to me. I didn't know what that meant. Um, and the doctors really didn't have a clue. Um, my son, when you, when you would see him when he was three or four years old, couldn't really tell. He just looked like a, a kid that was in his own world. But, you know, he's 24 years old now, so it's very obvious that he's disabled. Uh, and it presents as challenges on many fronts. Uh, he has cognitive issues. He has uh, issues with... Uh, bonding and, and interacting with, with people, doesn't read social clues at all. And um, he's, he's verbal, but it's marginal in that he will verbalize his needs and wants. Uh, occasionally, he'll, he'll spontaneously verbalize something else, um, you know, re relative to his environment. But he's pretty good reception-wise. He can understand a lot. And he actually is a is a perfect speller and his writing is perfect and he's got some, and his ability to do puzzles is perfect because he's very visually acute. Mm. But when it comes to interaction with people or, or language, it's, it's very difficult for him. If you know, he's on a level that he's going to need assistance for the rest of his life. Michael Goldberg, our guest on the program today, Nick, uh, St. Gregory's talk therapy. We talk about different and variety of mental health issues that people face. And this is one that is growing. Seemingly, the Center for Disease Control uh, says that autism affects an estimated 1 in 54 children in the U.S. When I first got involved with uh, Wrestle Against Autism, okay, uh, which has different chapters around the country, uh, a, a variety of well-intended people, whether it's raising money for service dogs, that uh, an autistic, um, uh, an in individual that suffers from autism might... Uh, 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 be wanting to, or not wanting to, but his behavior would be doing damage to himself physically, himself or herself. 
Is it more pervasive, Michael? I guess I don't know this. Is it more pervasive in in uh, boys than girls? Uh, it, it is. It's it's much more pervasive in boys, and they suspect uh, a, a chromosomal link uh, to some of this. Uh, but yes, that's that's my understanding. And just to add to your point, when my son was diagnosed, the rate recognized by the CDC was one in ten thousand. Wow. So, so we thought we won some kind of horrible lottery. Um, like, why us? Why, well, why did we get blessed with this situation? So, but are doctors, physicians, those in the medical community, are they identifying it earlier? Um, it would suggest so. If if moved from one in ten thousand uh, to one in fifty four, but and I, I think um, we're getting smarter about the. Uh, about the affliction, right? Well, for sure. There's been tons of research. Um, Autism Speaks, which is a, a national organization that m- myself and my wife have been uh, very involved with for 20 years in the Cleveland area, uh, has funded millions of dollars of research. There's many research hospitals and you know, universities that are also doing that. So they've learned a lot mm-hmm. over the last 20 years. And I think it's not only what they know, but also the way they've classified um, things, I think, or conditions. There used to be a separate uh, diagnosis for for Tourette's syndrome. We've all heard what Tourette's syndrome is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and now that, uh, or Asperger's syndrome. And now those are really folded into a wider... Uh, diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder well kira so our they're pro- going to get more people uh, diagnosed just by that alone kira our producer in the studio here kira jones she um and i were talking off air prior to uh bringing you on the show and that she had how did you say it, kira you yeah um i i have a few friends that i follow just on social media who have autism they're on the autism spectrum so I I get to see like their view of the world mm-hmm. and one of them posted something um and I didn't realize uh, it was about Asperger's and I didn't realize Asperger's was also part of the autism spectrum until they said something about it. So and that you it, thought it was a standalone, right? Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was a completely separate condition. I thought you know, they were very similar, but maybe just something made Asperger's different. Like, I'm not a mental health professional, so. <laughs> I think uh, Asperger's, if I could just chime in, I think Asperger's has always generally been considered high-functioning autism. Okay. People with Asperger's could be in, you know, drive cars, be in relationships, have jobs. And some people with, with you know, relatively light interaction would not really know. Um, but it's the same, it's the same brain wiring Mm -hmm. that you have issues that you have with full on, you know, what I would call severe autism, which is what my son has moderate to severe. Um, it's just a different degree. I think as, as things develop and, and that's why I I love being able to talk about uh, the subject on the show is, is as we create more awareness and, You know, um, like you guys said, over the 20 years of the different research that's gone on, um, just to be able to really wrap our minds and from a physician or a clinical standpoint of, you know, a, you know, how broad that is and how, like, like you said, Michael, not, not, there's not two people that are exactly the same, you know, from a neurological standpoint, I can imagine that just with just the complexity of our brains, how that can be. Right. Um, I think at a certain point like that from one to 10,000 to one to 54, it's probably a combination. It just, just uh, my thoughts are a combination of, of the fact that we are, are becoming more aware. Are we understanding it? We can kind mm-hmm. of pull all these different, you know, creating that spectrum of what all this encompasses. Right. Um, uh, and, and it, and it very well could be, be more prevalent as well. I think it's a combination of both when I, when I look at that. Michael, can we ask you to describe a, and, and, if there was one I can appreciate more than the other, it's, it's, um, the obvious. Okay. Uh, Michael describe somebody who suffers from 
Angelman syndrome? Angelman syndrome is something that I'm not familiar with, and I'm certainly not qualified. Okay, and, to talk and about that's that. cool. Here's my understanding. Okay, um, mm-hmm. Angelman syndrome is uh, the individual that is similarly afflicted with Angelman syndrome uh, is a warm and loving, right? And and how this exhibited is we were in the practice facility at Ohio State, okay? We were raising money for service dogs, and there were a number of mats where kids with autism were wrestling. Well, the first thing that kid does, instead of going out and shaking hands and getting down to business, he goes out and hugs his opponent, Uh, Yeah. okay? (laughs) So I find that loving, right? But that's that overall, uh, that's what that is to me. That is, it's a warm and loving and not all, uh, all of those afflicted, uh, exhibit like that. Okay. Um, but I, I stopped, I went and talked to the parents and they told me that these are the most trusting of uh, those that are afflicted that, uh, uh, they want to really, uh, know that this is something fun to do and wrestling, by the way, this, I'm going to bring this up wrestling. Uh, when you have an autistic child that exerts himself in, in many cases, uh, wrestling will uh, exhaust, okay? I saw this in Minnesota. I saw it in Ohio. Um, exhaust the individual enough where he will exhibit less, okay? And there will be some degree of, of uh, uh, you know, ease or normalcy. I hesitate to use the word normalcy, but uh, I tell you what, Michael, we're going to take right. a quick time out. I want to come back to you. Uh, and by the way, nice job with Cimarroni again. Uh, great guy, great coach, wonderful friend. I know he is to you as well, but uh, you can check that interview out with Coach Cimarroni if you wish at maverickpodcasting.com. And that is Michael Goldberg with Coach Cimarroni on the show, maverickpodcasting.com. Quick time out, more on the other side with Michael Goldberg. This is St. Gregory's Talk Therapy, the Mental Health Show. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. There's more with Nick Learhoff and Scott Casper right here on Iowa's 940 for St. Gregory's Talk Therapy, the mental health show. Iowa, we're listening. I came to St. Gregory very reluctantly at my all-time worst, physically, emotionally, and mentally. But I gave my best effort to these new things in my life as I saw hope in this complete approach. I'm at the point now that I feel my strongest and best ever physically, mentally, and emotionally. I felt quite certain God was orchestrating everything. St. Gregory Recovery Center. Recovery starts here. Relevantradio.com slash St. Gregory. Welcome back to St. Gregory's Talk Therapy, the mental health show, Nick Learhoff, Scott Casper. Our special guest is Michael Goldberg. He is a warrior for mental health. He's a criminal defense attorney, a father, a husband, and he brings a special articulation to um, to what we're talking about today. Our topic today is autism. And by the way, autistic autism spectrum disorder, ASD refers to a broad range of conditions characterized by challenges with social skills, repetitive behavior, speech, nonverbal communication. And according to the center for disease control, autism affects an estimated one in 54 children in the U S and it wasn't that long ago, Michael, what was that number again? It was one in 10,000. One in 10,000. When my son was diagnosed in about 99. What a difference a day makes. Right? Yeah, it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. I, You know, and one thing I was going to ask you, Michael, is is um, I'm curious to know a little bit about, you know, when you guys got that, that diagnosis back in 99 or uh, what yeah. uh, year. Yeah. Um, what, I guess, what did, what did the, the professionals and like, what did the doctors have for you from a standpoint of just how to, to clinically or medically help with any of the symptoms or help just with your son's development? I'm just kind of curious on that. Yeah. So the medical aspect of it was really limited to food sensitivities because there was an obvious sensitivity with gluten and casein, which are the proteins and flour and dairy products and, and wheat and dairy products. And he would eat these things and he would have reactions, you know, bowel reactions, skin reactions. Oh, so there was obviously a crossing over of the sensitivity from the gut to the, to the rest of the body. And, and the presumption then as it is now is that there was a crossing over into the brain development. So that was the main thing was you, you try out these diets. 
Other than that, there was nothing. Mm. I mean, I remember going to a neurologist's office and, and he looked at my son for a while and, you know, as he went around his office and he tried to get his attention. And at the end of the session, he was like, yeah, he's got autism. Good luck. And uh, I mean, he probably wasn't that cold, but it was like, right. Uh, yeah. Because it was, there was nothing he could do. So my wife had to start. She was the warrior. She had to get going with books and treatises. And she was basically pouring everything she had into this. I had to make a living every day. And she was able to, to, to spend some time doing this while mothering a child that didn't sleep. Well, wow. he did. My son didn't sleep for through the night till he was probably seven. Um, and he's got an older brother who is 19 months older. So we, I went probably seven, eight years with rarely getting more than three hours of sleep, which, you know, can make a trial attorney a little angry. Um, (laughs) I I wouldn't want to have you against me. Uh, Sidebar, your honor. Um, I've got got a real problem with Michael. You're really efficient. (laughs) Let's let's get this thing going. The the doctors had nothing for us. And, there's lots now, but then there was nothing. There was maybe two books in the library about how to parent a child with autism. So we had to invent it, and we, we sought out experts all over the country. We went out to Duluth, Minnesota mm-hmm. um, to see a specialist. We went to Washington, D.C., and um, we uh, met with a, uh, a team out there that had a whole, a whole like sort of revolutionary at the time approach to – uh, therapy for children diagnosed on the autistic spectrum, which was called uh, play therapy or floor time, mm. which required you to get on the floor with your kid and kind of poke yourself into their world because they weren't coming into yours. Mm-hmm. And as opposed to another model called ABA and the people listening who are familiar with the different modalities for autism will be familiar with that too which is more regimented, which, which is more reward-based. You know, if a child, a young child makes co- eye contact when you're talking to them, you give them an M&M or something like that. Um, that is something that we, we tried for one day. It wasn't for us. So, so we went with the floor time idea. And you know what? That, that melds us right back into, winds our way back to uh, the idea that I had anyway, and that was when wrestling, these kids uh, are, are playing, yeah, but I thought they might be uh, exhibit less because they were more exhausted. But Michael, you suggested there's something else to play. Yeah, I think they're getting gratifying input, sensory input into their brains. Uh, I think a lot of children on the autism spectrum can't manage verbal input, light, uh, loud sounds. They're much better at managing uh, tactile input. So being on the ground, being, uh, you know, wrestling or, or even drilling or doing, um, the basic calisthenics and things you do at a, in a wrestling, um, practice, if you can, if they could attend that, if they can stay focused on that and follow the coach, even with an aid, they're going to get something out of it because it, it, it basically meets them where they are. Hmm. rather than rather than trying to put something too stressful on them. Signs of autism usually appear by age two or three. Some associated development delays can appear even earlier, right? That's true. So by six months, uh, some of the things uh, that take place may indicate your child is at risk for an autism spectrum disorder, and they include by six months, few or no big smiles or warm joyful, engaging expressions, limited or no eye contact. By six months, we're already starting to be able to see those signs. And and furthermore, we're able to register what that means. Okay. Mm -hmm. Prior to uh, 99, for example, I would suggest that the the medical community wasn't as well educated about this. And that has to be frustrating for a parent, Michael. Oh, no doubt. And just to to that point, point exactly i mean i think one of the things that was suggested to my wife which was incredibly hurtful um to have a doctor say is you know they want to know if you're if you're mothering right if you you know there's there was a thing called uh refrigerator mom syndrome where the mother is not uh, 
substantially or, or appropriately bonding with the child. And somehow does that cause a child to go inward and not uh, engage with the outside world? Obviously, that's completely bogus yeah. science, but, but it was something that that's how, that's how behind the medical community was in 1999, that those ideas were still being you know, floated around. Um, my son exhibited all those early developmental issues, uh, not pointing, not making eye contact, not answering to his name. And most of the, the pediatricians were like, um, you know, got an older brother. Maybe this is second child syndrome. Give it some time. He'll come around. And uh, by the time he was 14, 15 months, we were having his hearing checked. Um, and it wasn't his hearing. I was praying at that point that it would be right, but, but it wasn't, you know, and I think it's, a, it's amazing. Um, like what you talked about with the diet and well, I mean, we've had different shows where we've talked about, you know, important of obviously exercise and nutrition right. and things, but how much that can really affect those symptoms from a standpoint of, you know, if somebody has a, you know, a, um, a very, um, strong food allergy to casein or gluten, and how that can just kind of totally disrupt because if they if you don't feel good if your stomach hurts you know naturally everything else is gonna going to be affected and so you know the fact that that i'm assuming you guys were able to kind of tweak his diet a little bit and how much did that play into some of those symptoms that you saw Mm. well put it this way i don't think until he went on the diet he never had a solid stool he it was always just a mess and and we um, put him on this diet, and within three or four weeks, uh, he was normal. So we knew that there was, a, there was something here. Also, his skin cleared up. He had eczema. And um, we can always tell if he sneaks something like a cookie that he shouldn't have because he will, his, hands, his arms and hands will break out in eczema. Really? So if there's that much of a reaction, you've got to worry about what else is reacting. I guess, you know, every time I see something that's marked gluten-free... I'm thinking, what are we depriving ourselves of? But if we have a negative effect, most of society has a negative effect, or some of society, uh, I would suggest that we've been poisoning ourselves all along. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that's the thing is, I mean, and, and it's crazy, from not to like sidebar thing, but uh, from a standpoint of like some people are, are very allergic to asparagus or eggs. And, and we used to do, at St. Gregory's, we used to do uh, food testing because sometimes people would talk about mm-hmm. like chronic issues with stomach or, or different things. And so, um, somebody would come in and be like, well, you know, I just, I'm so miserable. And so I just turn to this or turn to that. Mm-hmm. And so once we would go through that detox process, then we would do that food test and look and say, oh, wow. Okay. Well, Hey, let's, let's try shifting your diet a little bit and see if that, if that helps. And it was amazing. Some of the people that would come in and like, they were just like, you know, I, I was always so sick to my stomach. And so I, at that point I was just like, at this point I might as well be inebriated or something, you know, um, and being able to just tweak a few things, how much that made a difference was just unbelievable. I, I so was it was like a mm-hmm. com- compounding effect. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. Absolutely. Michael Goldberg, our guest and Michael, uh, you are in Ohio, right? Correct. And is it Cleveland? Yes. The home of our friends at defense soap. Guy Seiko and company? Yeah, we love those guys. All right, so let's get back to uh, some of the things that may indicate that your child is at risk for autism spectrum disorder. So we've already talked about by six months, few or big, or no big smiles or warm, joyful, engaging expressions, limited or no eye contact. By nine months, little or no back and forth sharing of sounds, smiles, or other facial expressions. By 12 months, Little or no babbling, little or no back and forth gestures, such as pointing, showing, reaching, or waving, little or no response to name. Now, that's that's huge. Uh, when the child, for the first time, responds to his name or her name, mm-hmm. uh, that's an indication that there's that give and take back and forth. Um, when we continue with Michael Goldberg, our guest, uh, we'll talk about what happens as we approach that one year or that two year or at any age. So stay tuned. There's more Michael Goldberg. You're listening to St. Gregory's talk therapy, the mental health show brought to you by here.com America's number one hearing aid company for a reason. 
great products, incredible pricing, but even better, customer service that absolutely tends to your needs, not their saleability. There's a huge difference for me when an individual is interested in why I need hearing aids, what am I experiencing, and the fact that they do or don't have an opportunity to help. Well, they do. It's here.com. If you'd like to save even more money, use the forward slash Casper, C-A-S-B-E-R, here.com forward slash Casper and see and hear what you've been missing. Stay tuned. More after this. Stay tuned. There's more with Nick Learhoff and Scott Casper right here on Iowa's 940 for St. Gregory's Talk Therapy, the mental health show. Iowa, we're listening. The folks at St. Gregory were vital in helping me to get my brother into rehab. They were not only supportive of him, but of our whole family. They truly saved all of our lives with their love and kindness. Because of the hard work they helped my brother do, we regained a valued, healthy, and incredible part of our family. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. RelevantRadio.com slash St. Gregory. Setting the new standard for recovery. Welcome back to St. Gregory's Talk Therapy, the mental health show. You hear us uh, in the state of Iowa on Iowa's Hope 940, but you hear us at talktherapytmhs.com. In studio, back from his uh, raucous trip to upstate Maine is uh, our good friend Nick Learfield. Learfield? What did I say? You said Learfield. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, absolutely. It's great to be Learhoff. back. Learhoff, yeah. yeah. There okay. it is. Yep, yeah. That's There's a difference there. <laughs> I'm in denial. Speaking of denial, Michael Goldberg, our guest, um, was talking to us off air and why that ladder uh, of, of studying autism and those ch- uh, children at risk and, and furthermore, the parents, uh, and, and here's where denial comes into play, and by six months, by nine months, by 12 months, and parents find themselves in denial more often than not. Michael, how, um, how problematic can that be? Well, it can be very problematic, and I'll just speak from experience. Having been a parent that was realizing in slow motion that my son had a pervasive lifelong disability mm-hmm. and I needed to get on it immediately to maximize his outcome, I didn't realize that until probably well into his second year. Um, but there's windows uh, where modalities can be employed, therapies can be employed. Um, they're, they're even working on some type of uh, drugs that can be employed. Um, to help brain development or to address certain gene-caused issues in very young children. But it's important that the parents recognize these signs and try to put the part of, I don't, I'm speaking for myself, but I'm assuming other people have the same sure. issue. Try to put the side of thinking that, this can't be true. I cannot have a child with a disability. What is that going to be like? That can't be true. Any, let's just keep, let's not even go to the doctor because in my heart of hearts, I really don't want to know. Right. That's harmful because usually what I've seen, and this is true with my family is the grandmothers see what's going on because they're not invested uh, with what I was just saying so much and they can see objectively what's going on when a kid is um you know around the one year you've never really heard his voice um or they don't answer they don't turn around when their name is called we had a you know our other son 19 years old 19 months older very precocious very responsive knew his letters like literally at at 13 months and you know we we were looking at something completely different and we wanted to cling to the idea that it was something other than what it was. And I don't know that it hurt my son in the long time, long term, but there's so much more that's available now for parents. Um, and I would suggest autism speaks has all kinds of stuff online. Oh, yeah. And there's a thing called a 90 day kit, which is if you're suspecting that your child is on the autistic spectrum or you receive the diagnosis, there's things you could do immediately in the first 90 days that will have been shown to um, increase the chances for a good outcome. So it's just it's important to, to 
to recognize that you're going to be in denial and to recognize that you got to put it aside and get your kid help as quickly as you can for the sake of, for the sake of, of the child. Um, and if it turns out to be, um, you know, overreaction, great. Congratulations. Um, you know, and some kids just develop later. Um, but if it turns out to be some uh, autistic spectrum disorder situation, then you're going to be all the better off getting the interventions that are available as quickly as possible. Well, we've talked quite a bit about diagnosing uh, early, right, in, in, the, in a child's life. Really, at any age, uh, autism can be identified. Uh, loss of previously acquired speech, babbling or social skills, avoidance of eye contact, persistent preference for solitude, difficulty understanding other people's feelings, delayed language development, persistent repetition of words or phrases, um, resistance uh, to minor changes in routine or surroundings, restricted interest, repetitive behaviors, uh, flapping, rocking, spinning, whatever, usual and unusual, intense reactions to sounds, smells, tastes, textures, lights, and colors. By the way, fans if and, and listeners, if you have somebody in your life that you do care about, and I know most of you do, um, we would invite you to um, help your friends and family members to determine whether or not a professional should evaluate your child. Um, always remember that a good relationship with your doctor uh, can speak to success as opposed to failure by not having a relationship with your doctor. And if you feel that your child has had or exhibits any one of these things that we're talking about, ask them to have your child screened for autism. Lots of resources out there, as Michael has suggested. Autism Speaks is uh, great. By the way, Wrestle Against Autism, this is a sport that has embraced. Uh, I remember Tom Ryan at Ohio State, one of the things he said is, whatever you need, we'll be happy to do it. And uh, as much as there was some pushback for the university, from the university for the event, since it wasn't a Ohio State event, Tom Ryan still found a way to be involved to help uh, the event to success. And that says a lot about Tom Ryan. There's uh, his nephew and his family suffers. Uh, and, and we have to be cognizant that it can affect anybody and everybody. Right, Michael? That's right. And that's the kind of guy Tom is. Yeah. Um, as a coach and as a man, um, you know, I always see him do the right thing. And uh, sometimes institutions can't, can't be in the same position, but Tom Ryan um, is a leader in so many ways, and, and that's just one of them. You know, when at Iowa, wrestling at Iowa, I would not have predicted that Tom Ryan become the man that he has. You know, mm -hmm. he was the big man on campus. All the girls wanted to go out with him, da 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 But Tom Ryan has become an, a true champion in many ways to me, to our sport, and the people in his life. And I just... Uh, have so much respect, by the way. Autism Response Team can help you with information, resources, and opportunities. You can call them at 888-288-4762. Again, 888-288-4762. There's a Spanish version of that as well, if you speak Espanol, right? right. Uh, so they're, they're trying to help as many people as they possibly can. Uh, and that's so very important. As we come to you live from the Five Talents Financial Management Group Studios, we appreciate the opportunity to talk about this very important topic. And as we've mentioned, and Michael brought this up, we go from 1 in 10,000 being diagnosed to 1 in 54. So the opportunity that somebody in your life might be suffering from a type of autism uh, is, is very high, actually. And some suffer more than others, some exhibit more than others. Michael, when a parent uh, is first challenged by this, we talked about denial, but we also have to talk, I think, about the siblings, because you mentioned your son is 19 months older, uh, your older son is 19 months older, so that puts him at about 26 now, is that right? That's right, he'll be 26 uh, this year. Okay, and, and can you talk to us about, at first, getting that a uh, young man to respond, to understand, 
uh, what his younger brother was experiencing? Yeah, that's a that's a big subject. But I'll I'll, I'll say two couple things about it. First, I happen to have a, a wife who's a genius, um, in 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 love. She's a kindness and love genius, and she knew this was going to be an issue before she read anything about it. Um, so we, you know, based on, on, on what she suggested, we made very, very special um, accommodations for our older son. You know, he didn't have any expectations. He was a little boy when, when this diagnosis happened. Noah's the only brother he's ever had. He accepts them completely, unconditional love. But, you know, the, the, the grieving was on our part. He wasn't going to be the brother we thought Jack, Jackson, my older son, would have. And so we had to address what Jackson wasn't going to get from Noah, which was a lot of co-play, a lot of, you know, I, I pictured a brothers being that far apart, being like, you know, little bear cubs running around. <laughs> um, and and that's that, you know that was what was in my mind and and it was absolutely not what happened and but Jackson um, was very resilient and very loving and and accepting of his brother from the beginning and I give all the credit to his mother for that um, that's wonderful not that I was against any of that it's just that's the person who was with them all day. Mm most days, but it's very important. And there were certain programs um, for siblings uh, so that groups of siblings of special needs kids could get together and kind of talk about the frustrations and, and the joys that they're experiencing and, and try to help, you know, people that are struggling. There are programs like that out there. You know, in, in witnessing, okay. Um, brothers and sisters that have an autistic, uh, brother or sister. Okay. Watching that interaction, I see, and I don't know how this comes about. Okay. I don't know how there's so much love, so much patience, so much understanding, the willingness to be the, a kind brother or sister. There's no, there's no reserve here. They are at their level best when they're around their brother or sister that is challenged. And I find that, um, incredibly heartwarming because that really speaks to the human condition, how we are to each other and that, which we give and that, which, um, or that, which, what, with what we receive, Boy, I'm having trouble with that right there, but back and forth, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think of, of, uh, my boys who are about 15 months apart one, one they're six and seven right now. And I think there's an unconditional love there that, that there is going to be there. Um, now don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, is there going to be some fighting over the Legos and things? Oh, sure. You know, um, Wait a minute. But, you have Legos, <laughs> yeah. but, but, you know, I think that just kind of comes back to that tune of, of family and, and just trying to help the, the siblings, uh, have an understanding or being able to work through some of those things, you know, and I don't know, uh, maybe Michael, you can speak to this a little bit. What, um, and maybe this would be on the other side of the break, but, um, what, what things have kind of helped, I guess, with that with that dynamic between those two. Okay. And Michael, can you stay for like another five minutes? I know you probably have something to do, uh, some legal issues to address. <laughs> I'm happy to stay. All right. Very good. We'll take a quick time out. Michael Goldberg, our guest, no relationship to Bill Goldberg, by the way, famed wrestler now at 58 years old. We just watched a special on him. Quite an interesting character. There's a guy out there that understands his body. It's Bill Goldberg. Huh famed wrestler all right well, whenever make... people ask me that i i leave it vague he actually has a brother named michael did you know that no yes i, know that. <laughs> I think it's terrific anyway well, they say you're related to goldberg the wrestler and i said i am goldberg the wrestler <laughs> because you wrestled right there it is yes, yes. all right do me a favor stand by we'll come back to you our listeners after the short time out it's saint gregory's talk therapy the mental health show with nick learhoff and scott casper stay tuned St. Gregory's Talk Therapy, The Mental Health Show, will continue after this commercial timeout. I can't say enough about the staff at St. Gregory's, who seem especially gifted to work in this field. 
They were so helpful and encouraging and will always have my gratitude. I made some very good new friends, a couple of whom I probably would not have made it through those beginning days without. Everyone and the programs at St. Gregory seem designed and placed in my life by God's perfect plan. RelevantRadio.com slash St. Gregory. RelevantRadio.com slash St. Gregory. All right, welcome back to St. Gregory's Talk Therapy, the mental health show. Learhoff and Casper and Jones. I often forget to throw her in the mix. Yep, got at her. But she's becoming more and more important to all of our programming, whether it's this show or our wrestling show. So on ESPN Radio. So we appreciate that. Anyway. Um, our guest is Michael Goldberg, and I've described him earlier as a great friend, uh, to coach Cimarroni, uh, on the blood time podcast. You can listen to the, a couple interviews that he's done there, maverickpodcasting.com, but he's joining us today to talk about autism and the effect that autism itself has had on his family. Uh, his youngest son has, uh, had, has autism. And again, tell us what type of autism he suffers from. Well, we would call it uh, moderate to severe um, because he's he's pretty challenged and is, cannot be independent in, in the community. So we would that we refer to it as moderate to severe autism. So in general, um, there are people that can live a so-called normal life. I mean, they could drive a car, they can... Uh, be taught to live by themselves and be self somewhat self-sufficient with folks. They can build rockets. They can what now? Elon Musk. (laughs) Build rockets like Elon Musk. Does Elon Musk suffer from autism? Well, he said he did when he was on Saturday night live a couple Uh, months ago. I did not know that. I don't, I would take that. I would take him at his word. The more I know about that guy, the more fascinated I am with Mm -hmm. what he's been able to accomplish. I don't care about his wealth, and I don't think he cares about it either, other than what that wealth can do to, you know, further uh, enable him to live his dreams, right? I think that's what he's doing. He's showing NASA how (laughs) to to send people into space affordably, not because they have an unlimited checkbook from the federal government. No, no, Elon Musk. I did not know that about him, but um, you're, you're... question and point to Michael prior to break. Yeah. So I was just kind of curious, um, you know, I guess as that time rolled on, I guess, what, what are the, some of the things that you and your wife, uh, worked with, um, your other son and how, like, what are the things that you guys worked with together to kind of help build that relationship between your siblings? Well, we definitely fostered as much co-play as we could. Mm-hmm. Uh, we made him part of like the play therapy work that we did, uh, we made sure that we both had special alone time with them too, because Noah took up, could have taken up all of our time because we had a, a, a particular, you know, very, uh, huge mission with, with Noah that we didn't necessarily had with Jackson. Um, and, but we made sure that we carved out time to be alone with Jackson, to do things with Jackson. That was really my department. Um, you know, as he got older, he got certified in scuba early, like a 10, age 10. So we were able to go off and, you know, go to go off on these guy trips, just he and I, and, and, and do fun things alone. Um, because, you know, reality was pretty tough at home. And we, we had to create that extra attention for him. But we also, you know, Jackson was old enough at a certain point around that age, 10, to understand more fully what was going on and and understand that there was a role for him. And he never uh, shirked from it or denied it. Um, and even to this day, uh, you know, uh, he's been, Jackson's been home with us for the last 14, 15 months, thanks to COVID. But um it's been a great period for them to bond as older siblings now. Because Jackson was away in college for four years and he was in another living in New York for a couple of years. And, you know, for them to sit down and do, a, you know, a thousand page, a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle um, and interact and speak to each other in the way they speak to each other, it's uh, just, it just shows up the payoff for a, a lifetime of, uh, of trying to foster that relationship between the two of them. 
The movie Rain Man. Um, Hate it. That's exactly what <laughs> I was going to question, uh, where my question was going to lead me, because it seems to me that they not only simplified in most cases, but glossed over the, the possibles, okay? And uh, I, I've never asked a, a parent what their thought was about that movie, but um, I, I, I tend to agree. I mean, it's my personal feeling that I live autism every day. I don't necessarily want to see it in my entertainment. And I, I mean, it was a fine, a fine movie, you know, objectively. Um, I think the portrayal by Dustin Hoffman, it was great, but it almost made it seem like, well, maybe there's a good part of autism. Maybe you could be good at counting stuff right? and uh, you could win in Las Vegas. If, if that's the case. And I know that's not what wasn't the thrust of the movie, but, but, you know, so that's, those kind of movies are just, they just don't go on in our house. No one in my house wants to watch, um, portrayals of autism. On I TV can imagine. Yeah. Or the movies. Michael, it has been very, very good to talk with you today. And, uh, again, tell, tell our listeners, give them some resources, uh, from your personal experience that have been helpful to you and your wife. So I'd be happy to do that. So the first book that we really related to was a book. One of the authors is Greenspan. And the other author is Weeder. Uh, Greenspan and Weeder, and it's called Floor Time. And it's a, a way to interact with children with sensory issues, and particularly autism and other issues that would um, inhibit their interaction with people. Uh, and that, that was an invaluable resource for us. Um, Autism Speaks, uh, at the time, had a different name, uh, but they were a great resource for a, kind of a funnel for resources mm-hmm. uh, that were available at the time. And now it's, it's, it's been built up to such a degree that if you go on that website, uh, you will find national resources, local resources, you'll find out what you need to do uh, if you suspect uh, autism spectrum disorder or if a loved one, like a grandmother, suspects it in a grandchild. I mean, there's a way to approach that um, that, that has been, you know, that, that is optimal. Um, and it gives hints for grandparents uh, on dealing with both getting a diagnosis and, and dealing with the diagnosis. Uh, and there's also, uh, resources, a 90 day kit, as I said, that would, would give information to, uh, parents with a recent diagnosis as what you can do right now mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to, to find out, uh, where your child is on the spectrum, what kind of services, therapies, modalities are not only going to be helpful, but where you can get them paid for, because that was, that was a, that's always an issue too, with, if you've got uh, government insurance or if you've got private insurance, a lot of times um, there's a cap on how much occupational or um, physical therapy you can get in a year. Wow. And um, my son needed 40 hours a week. Oh, wow. And uh, we needed to, and our insurance company wasn't paying for it. Michael, we'll do it again. I promise you that. I've enjoyed our conversation today, as uh, predicted by Cimarroni. No surprise there. That guy understands people. Great communicator, uh, but you know, well respected as a coach and a friend, and he is just yeah. that. Michael, thanks for the time today. It was my pleasure, and I'm happy to to help uh, the, the community. Uh, of uh, wrestling fans that tune into your show you, and you the community of people of people who love people with autism. God bless you, my friend, you and your family are best. Okay. Thank you. There we go. Michael Goldberg has been our guest. I find every time we visit the topic of autism. Okay. I find that what we are uncovering is, is more pages. It's like layers of an onion constantly peeling back. It's still an onion, but there's another, there's another layer. 
Well, I think, you know, it comes back to that awareness piece. And, and I think as we can dive into more like different topics a little bit more and a little right. bit more, and we can get a li- into the more, more complexities mm-hmm. of these things, because these, these aren't simple topics, these, no. but they are things I mean, like, like that statistic, one in every 54 children. I mean, well, this- it's not a simple affliction either. I mean, if there's so many different distortions, okay. Um, and, and something might click on whatever episode we're talking about. Right. Uh, I think it's important to know that that's our job. Okay. To try to raise awareness, to try to elevate, uh, an understanding of, uh, in this case, autism, that's so important for us to be able to do. And I'm grateful that St. Gregory's, uh, you know, understands what our goals and our missions are. And we see the emails, we see the number of people that are listening online. That number went up 350% last month. Wow. Think about that. And it's all because of Kira Jones. I, I truly oh, believe that. She it's all is because the best. Oh. No, I think um, just as the kind of the topic, uh, I guess, last week that about stigma, I mean, I think it, it boils over into so many different aspects of people who are struggling with uh, a mental illness or people right. who are struggling with substance abuse disorders, uh, people who are, are, you know, like anywhere from, you know, autism to anxiety, depression, you know, um, bipolar disorder, uh, borderline personality, all these different things that people go through. And at the, at the end of the day, everybody just wants to be loved, right? At the end of the day, we're all children of God. And we, we have to understand that, that these things, uh, all, all can, albeit can be challenging, Mm -hmm. but makes us who we are and, and, and can make us, I guess, you know, a special person and, you know, in a certain sense of like just being able to have the uniqueness of you, right. Right. Of, of, of us. Um, and to be able to, um, own that and love that and love the specialness of that, that we go through, um, every single day that makes us who we are. So that's our challenge for each and every one of you to try to be, try to live your life in such a way that you present and give the very best of you. Okay. And the only way you can do that is with a clear mind a grateful heart in this program. <laughs> Too much? Okay. Too much. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for listening to this very special edition. Kira Jones has been our producer. Nick Lerhoff is back from Maine. Perhaps next week we'll get into the conversation about what he did in Maine and how many lobsters he consumed. Wow. Oh, oh um, just a couple. A couple. Just a couple. But you affected the population. Not significantly. <laughs> um, no. Were they big? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. We'll talk more about that next week. You've been listening to St. Gregory's Talk Therapy, the mental health show, only on Iowa's Hope 940. Talk to you next week.